clock strikes upon the hour and the sun begins to fade. Still enough time to figure out how to chase my blues away. I'd done enough all right, up to now. It's the light of day that shows me how. And when the night falls, loneliness calls. Oh, I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. Yeah, I want to dance with somebody. With somebody, you know, who loves me. Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. I am Chris Sinclair with my co-host. True Garrison, and I am very proud of you. That's a really hard one not to sing. But it that's like very the hard. It's very hard to not sing. I, um, uh, well, hands down, one of my favorite car songs of all time. And by that, you Next mean just like... like like it's the song that I sing with my windows open and a car full of people at the top of my lungs, either to embarrass them or because they're all dan- all all singing with me. Either yeah. way, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. I don't know if I have any that I just rolled out my window for. Um. I I know I definitely keep the windows up and and yell and scream songs, but um. <laughs> you are like a window a windows upper for rage against the machine yeah you know <laughs> i don't want people to know that i'm that upset you know what i mean so wow. so about it's uh so you're about, gonna have to try harder than drew well i'll work on it uh what are you drinking all right <laughs> i am drinking oh something that's that's been sitting in my bar and i've been looking at it and i've been i just with dinner tonight, we had uh, we had uh, pesto shrimp pasta, and nice. I just I wasn't in a spirits mood, so I swooped up this bottle uh, as soon as I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right, it's there." My uh, Carlos the Seventh Amontillado from Alviar is fucking delicious. That's it a, is Amontillado that's a sherry, cool. and it is fucking fire. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a fun, a fun Sherry story the other day. Um, I was talking with our good friend, Brian McGregor, and he was asking about uh, one of the Kilhoman cask. And he was like, is this a wine cask? And I was like, no, it's Sherry. He goes, okay, cool. So it's wine. Cause you know, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm an idiot. Yes, it is. <laughs> Yes, it definitely is. Um, but you know, it's it's funny when you start thinking about all that different stuff and how it kind of gets it's separated. If you think about aging and the different casts that people use, right? So you know, of course, you have bourbon cask, and then you have um, then you have your sherry cask. But then people like delineate, like they they say, like oh, then there's wine cask, and then there's Madeira cask. You know. And it's just, it's funny right. that I, that can get broken up into so many I think categories. Yeah, I think your mistake was a fair one because there are red wine casks and Chardonnay cask finishes. And so I think that that was, I think that was fair. You were still wrong, but I think that was a fair mistake to make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, um, yeah, he dunked on me like right away, you know, as <laughs> soon as I made that mistake, I mean, he just went right for the fucking jugular um which i appreciate you know it's it's not too often that i get got like that so um so it was it was swift and impactful it was fun and you'll never make that mistake again no god no 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 probably not um yeah that was that was embarrassing and now everybody knows so yeah yeah, well, it's fine. Thanks, I, I for one, think that uh, <laughs> yeah, BMAC, BMAC's good for that. Uh, also, um, anyway, uh, I for one think more people need to drink sherry. I am on a crusade to get Sacramento and the rest of the world to drink more sherry, and by rest of the world, I mean America, because we just you know we just celebrated the fourth, so you know, obviously, um, I I definitely just think that. Uh, it is overlooked and people just think that it's for cooking 
and not for consuming, and they're very, very wrong. Um, there is a you know unofficial campaign that Joshua Hatton from Single Cast Nation has taken upon himself, where um, he will you know pretty consistently post pictures of himself drinking sherry, just basically like the tagline of like "Do your part," you know. And, um, which I think, I like is, which I think is so great. Um, and oddly enough, actually, uh, you know, I was in, I was in good bottle the other day. Um, you were off drinking some agave or something and, um, I picked up a bottle of sherry. So I am doing my part. Um, oh, what'd you, you get? Know, just the Pedro Jimenez that you had. Um, I think yeah. that's what, I, yeah, I think that's what I got. Um, yep. so I uh, I am doing my part. I definitely want people, uh, you know, I want more people drinking sherry and uh, as well. I definitely historically have have gravitated more towards Madeiras. Um, I just like sipping on a good Madeira. But um, why do you think again, that is? Uh, one of them tastes better than the other one to me. That's pretty much. <laughs> Do you think that the, this falls into your champagne conundrum of you just haven't had enough? Of course, a hundred percent. Okay, and um, and yeah, uh, it's that's definitely a part of it, and that's just you know, that's what's part of like the journey, though, right? It's like so much fun with that. It's like okay, now cool, now I'm gonna start drinking more of these and drinking more of these, and there's just like there's just never an end to all the different things that you can consume, and just how intertwined all of it is as well. You know, like it's either, like the like what Joshua was saying, like do your part. Like we need more people drinking sherry, so that way we can put more whiskey in sherry barrels. <laughs> you know, it just cracks me up. Yeah. So. You know, it's just, uh, it's a really, really good time. Well, I like his ends justify the means sort of philosophy on that one. Uh, that's, that's fair. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, and use, use your forum, right? Like, so he has this huge group of whiskey enthusiasts that, that basically follow every single word he has to say and, you know, take it as gospel. So it's like, Hey, that's, that's him really using his platform to better the entire industry, which is awesome. Yeah. Whereas we have this platform and almost no one listens to anything we say. Well, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, every, every time that you start to kind of be like, I don't want to do this anymore then someone's like, Hey, listen to the show. It was really good. I'm like, I got to keep my fans happy. Got to keep going. <laughs> you know, and by fans, I mean fan, you know, singular. Yeah. You mean, you mean mom. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I don't even know if she watches. She listens. I know she shares them, but I don't think she actually listens. So she definitely does share them, uh, which is pretty fantastic. I don't know if she listens either, but uh, I definitely notice when she, when she shares on social media. Yeah. So I got that going for me. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah. Hey, it man, is nice. A lot of people don't. So take the win. It's <laughs> very true. It is very true. Uh, what are you drinking? Uh, I actually am drinking a single malt tonight, um, and it's one that I haven't had in a very long time. And oddly enough, it is in my portfolio, and I just haven't had it in forever. And it is the um, Delbach Dorado from Arizona. Um, and this is a really cool one because actually what they do is when they're drying the malt, they put it over mesquite wood. And so it really imparts that that flavor profile of like barbecue and you know mesquite which people are pretty familiar with and it comes through like really nice on the um on the palate too like i just i actually forgot how much i enjoyed this whiskey because it's been so long since i've had any of it um but yeah they just they do a really good job and and it's cool because they're they're out of tucson and they actually grow all their barley down there down like they get it from arizona which i think is crazy so it's actually a very oh, cool. like, you know, terroir driven uh, spirit as well, or provenance, depending on what you believe in terms of distillation and terroir and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But it's mm -hmm. a um, <laughs> it's a really really fun expression. They do um, an unaged whiskey and then they do like kind of like a standard single malt, um, 
but it's just you know it's just a the, that growing trend of American single malts that exist you know out there. And then when you think Arizona, I mean you're not thinking whiskey, right? So um, it's kind of cool that that this stuff exists and that I mean I just. I actually find it surprisingly refreshing right now because I mean maybe just after the weekend of barbecuing and stuff like that I'm like oh who like of course I want like a mesquite smoked whiskey right now like this is just a cool fun spirit to drink so that's what I'm gonna be sipping on as we go through all this nonsense today. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, I I like that you're keeping the barbecue vibes alive. <laughs> Got to keep them going. I'm not ready to keep return. Going return back to reality yet um all right but are you ready for headlines i was born ready that's what i like to hear all right so we're going to start it off with um beam centauri and brown foreman are joining the ranks of Diageo and they are stopping all of their social media ads for the month of July. They will be um, joining this uh, campaign that's called the Stop Hate for Profit campaign. And um, basically what it just calls for is major advertisers to pull all their advertisements from from Facebook, from Instagram, other forms of social media until there's actual things done to uh stop hate groups and hate speech and prejudice from just totally infecting all of those venues which you know we see every single freaking day so that is that is what they're doing so you can imagine the the huge impact that that's going to to happen you know or have have on somebody like facebook which i do now believe that they're starting to reconsider some of their prior stances on how they do business Good. I mean, this is this is no no small deal. I mean, this this was organized by the NAACP, by Anti Defamation League, and uh, a few a few other um, you know a, a few other activist organizations. Um, I don't, that's not even the right word, but a, a few other organizations as well. So it's I mean they they really they carry quite the cachet amongst them in order to convince large companies like this um, to, to do that for July. And in reading, in reading this, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that too. Um, it's not like I spend a lot of money on Instagram or Facebook, um, but we do advertise. And uh, I just, I think it's a, it's literally the least I can do is not spend money with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can find some other way to do it. Yeah. Uh, No, I think do it's Do you it, think do you think that this will have a resounding impact? I mean, we know we know Facebook's already starting to sort of old Zuck is just trying to, you know, he's he's been holding on pretty hardcore, but but Facebook themselves had their own little walkout and and strike of employees, you know, a month or two ago um, that certainly had some impact, right? Yeah, do you think this alone is going to have the exponential in, impact because it's hitting hitting him in his in his purse, or what do you think? I mean, you know, one thing that I haven't seen so far is um, like official numbers from any of these different different companies on what that looks like. Like, what is that money figure that they were spending on social media advertising before? And at this point, it's only supposed to go through the month of July. Now, a lot of the talk has been like, you know, we'll reassess when we get to the end of the month and see if we want to extend this, but we're just playing it by, you know, playing it by ear at this time. And for the next month, we're just not going to be advertising uh, on, on these platforms. So, you know, uh, I guess, when you start to think about like really the impact of them I and mean, obviously financially, but how big of a financial hit is it really for Facebook? I would assume pretty significant. I mean, these are your biggest spirit companies in the world and they, they join the ranks of a lot of other companies that, you know, exist within the world of, of also not doing this. So I think there is going to be some serious change that comes with it. But at the same time, I mean, does that mean 
that they're not posting on their pages at all? You know, does that mean that? And and even with Diageo, like they never fully specified what what social media sites they weren't going to to use anymore. You know what I mean? So it could have been like, oh, we're yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I think I think the key is is really Facebook and Instagram. You know, um, um, and they own YouTube as well. So you know, if you if you hit those three, I mean, think I think you're doing a a pretty substantial job. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's pretty pretty key, and that's where you know I think a majority of the consuming public get get their information from. Right, right, and so you know, again, I don't I don't know what that really looks like uh, in terms of the overall impact. I mean, I, I like to think that this is is going to make a big difference, and it would be nice to see. Um, Facebook and other venues kind of step up a little bit. Now, I mean, there was some news over or late last week that's unrelated to the spirits industry, but there was a massive kind of like cutting of um, over a thousand hate groups that were tied to that Boogaloo group. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that's obviously a big deal and really cool that that happened. And also at the same time, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, how does it get to that point where these groups are allowed to exist? You know, but again, like you said, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's been very I mean, adamant a on thousand. Facebook. Uh, that's that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of a lot of those groups that are that are uh, literally hoping for civil war. Uh, right. You know, I right. would I would hope that there would. I don't know. Every time this is sort of the example I use in my brain now for um, the argument of self-governance when it comes to companies. Um, And I, you just see it and you see how long it takes for them to shift towards the public good. Even though the public's sitting there crying out going, fuck, please just fix this thing. It's really dumb. And they're like, "Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Eh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it takes up over a decade to get it done, you know, and meanwhile, there's been a lot of like real damage. I mean, we're talking actual lives lost due to shit like this, you know? Uh, yeah. It just, it, it's kind of mind boggling, especially for a group that is specifically calling for, for a race war and hoping for it and doing everything that they can to, to usher it, it along, you would assume that that would have been like number one on the list of like, okay, well maybe, maybe this isn't cool. <laughs> maybe we should shut this one down. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And, it, you know, again, like I said, they're not, it's not only the spirits industry that's, that's doing this, but it's also extending into a lot of other industries. Um, and so hopefully, you know, that change does, does happen i mean you know when you're talking about places you know and brands from diageo and beam centauri and brown Foreman, it's like we're not going to forget about jack daniels because i don't see it on facebook you know as much and you know like that's not yeah well not and, you know and for sure these com- these companies aren't, aren't blameless either right like uh, jack daniels in 2017 they they their handling of the uncle nearest and near screen story was clumsy to say the least right like that they, they could have done better and i get that it was difficult from their standpoint in some way but it's not like they didn't know that the story didn't exist for well over 100 years <laughs> they, they probably could have invested a little bit of money in getting in front of it at some point in time um and and they didn't so it was a little awkward to watch but again we're talking baby steps and now they're on now they're on the right side of history and, and trying to force another company into just saying like, look, just do the bare minimum. Like just don't <laughs> do something, you know? Yeah. But you don't get to pretend, you don't get to pretend like not everything's okay. Yeah. Um, so I just looked up, I just looked up Captain Morgan and they posted uh, yesterday. Jack Daniels has not posted on just like their normal account since the 30th. So 
So it appears they might be taking different approaches with how they're going about their their boycotts. Not posting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not posting. Not spending any money. Captain Morgan is taking a very interesting route in their posting, which is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I mean, again, Diageo didn't say, you know, really what it looked like. Um, I know that they had highlighted Smirnoff as kind of like the brand that that they would be leading this campaign with. And let me see here. Well, this hasn't been posted on it since March. So, okay. So that doesn't really matter. Um, tough to tell. Tough to tell what their Diageo plan is here. Shocking development. Um, <laughs> but, but moving Yeah, on. you know, these large companies, you know, that they, they, um, they move like earthworms, uh, but they do, they do make waves. You know, so the fact that we're here and we're at this point, I'm more than happy to give them kudos for at very least attempting to do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, you also have to be realistic about it as well. I mean, these they have huge marketing firms that they work with that they pay them millions upon millions of dollars. Um, you know, this this obviously can't last forever because then you're paying these marketing firms to, you know, taking out a huge portion of, of their reach obviously is just not, not the best business, but hopefully this, um, the one month penalty that they're imposing upon the social media sites is going to be enough to, uh, to make it happen. But, you know, what, um, I, I have this, this desire, this hope, this, uh, slight tinge of optimism that, uh, companies will take the money or at least some of the money and invest it in finding new ways of reaching market as opposed to social media, like get creative, maybe find, you know, find something new that's in- interesting that still grabs attention. Um, and I know a lot of them are not that creative, but I, I, I hope that they do that. So that way in the future, you know, if they uh, need to do this again, they're not handcuffed. You know, and that way it doesn't take as long. That way they're more mobile uh, as yeah. a, as a company, and they can say, "Okay, well, we're not. You know, we don't agree with this, and it doesn't. It won't hit hurt us as much because we've already invested in reaching the market in these X amount of other ways that are creative and new." Right. Totally. Yeah, I think um, you know we've definitely learned over the past couple of months like who was creative and who wasn't. Um, and that's going to continue to be the the case as we move forward because, you know, things again being shut down in the U.S. Um, it just sucks right now. So people have to get creative. But we're not going to let that get us down. We're going to move on to our next story. Not today, and no siree. Not us. Not these guys. Not us. Um, but uh, <laughs> there is going to be a major investment of $100 million by the Constellation Brands into black-owned firms. Um, this will be a venture capital group that they invest in called Const- uh, the Constellation Brand Ventures. And the plan is to invest in black and minority-owned businesses in the industry by 2030. Um, part of their you know, desire is just to raise awareness and you know, put more of a uh, spotlight on minority owned spirits and things like that. They're going to do this by, you know, improving their reach, um, you know, giving them better equipment, you know, all that fun stuff that goes into it. And they, and Constellation actually has a history of this. Um, they did a similar move in 2018, which when they, they announced they would invest a uh, hundred million dollars in uh, women led alcohol businesses over a 10 year period, part of their focus on female founders program. And what they've seen in just a little over a year is their uh, ventures portfolio mix went from 20% female owned up to 50% female owned. So they do have a track record of making this um, a successful program. And I know this is something that we've talked a lot about recently, um, you know, on the podcast and then also, you know, probably more so off is just trying to find 
black owned brands and minority owned brands is was actually a lot harder than we thought it was going to be you know incredibly so, incredibly difficult yeah yeah so you know uh seeing consolation get involved in this way and they're they're going to be able to spotlight a lot of really really talented people um hopefully over the next you know 10 years with this with this huge investment um which i i just think is i think is really really awesome yeah i think this is fucking cool and apart from it being cool i think it's a really brilliant um uh investment move i mean you're hitting two entire massive portions of society that are underrepresented in our world. Are you telling me that you're not going to strike some gold somewhere in there when it's the majority of our population put together? Like it just, how, how has it taken this long? Right? Like, yeah. The fact that you're, you're now going to start investing in people who are creative, who haven't had a chance to come to market, who have uh, the skills, who have the background, who, um, who, who have another interesting voice and story to tell and something to bring to market that's going to be dope and unique. Fuck yes. Yes. Give them money. Give them more money. <laughs> Get it there fast. Make it dope. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I think um I think this is this is really going to be a um a fun project and you know and you're and you're seeing this happen uh, across the across the industry and you know the and really across the world. I mean, people are just are sh- shifting the way that they look at a lot of different things. And um and that actually kind of leads into, you know, our our final story which is uh big big news this week in terms of the rum world where um plantation rum came out uh mason ferran the the parent company and said that they are going to be changing the uh the name of plantation uh based on recent events and the harmful connotation that it that it carries for a lot of people they've decided not to move forward with this hurtful brand identity um they're not sure what the evolution of the name will look like but it's looking to be probably around a two-year process um you know originally i can fix it right now i know what they should do i already know okay i think that they should keep their symbol and just go as the as the rum formerly known as plantation did i tell you that or are you are you are you did you come by that naturally because i told you that I feel like I told you this. Did you tell me that? Yeah. I don't think anybody told me that. I'm pretty sure I told you this. I don't I don't remember having that conversation with you, Drew. I think it was I on Monday night. We we were having dinner. I think we were like, both brilliant. Because like, I sent it to Michael Goldman, and he was like, this is the best idea so far. Because I was with Buddy when I originally had that idea. Because their symbol is dope. And it and it actually – symbol's dope. <laughs> It makes sense. I mean, granted, you know, you can't have plantation at all in the name anymore. Um, but this is this is obviously a huge, huge undertaking. I mean, plantation is available in eighty different countries at this point, um, and it's it's one of those one of those things too that you know when I first heard it. I my mind immediately was like, was like, man, is this a is this an overcorrection, right? And then I just started thinking about it, and I was like, oh my god, how did I never notice how wildly offensive this was? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, in, in implantation is one of my favorite uh, rums that are out. Um, you know, they definitely have. A lot of controversy right now, um, not just tied to the name, but just in general of kind of what they're doing when it comes to different GIs around the world and the way that um, Alexander Gabriel has talked about different cultures and stuff. But um, it's 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 a really great rum, and it's a rum that really resonates with a lot of bartenders across the industry, and um, it just never it just never dawned on me before. And it's then that's like, so, so embarrassing, right. To, to kind of have to 
admit that. But that's been like this journey over the past month for myself has just been trying to expose myself to different things. And if I could be completely honest, I I'm right there with you. I, um, you know, I, I, I had the little intellectual gameplay in my head of like, well, plantation is the name of a place. They still exist, you know, but then in the middle of that, like devil's argument, uh, uh, conversation inside my head while I'm in the showers, wherever it was that I was like, it was a hardcore realization of like, wow, go fuck yourself. Like, I'm saying that self that to myself. Like right. this is this is terrible. Of course, this is offensive. You should absolutely change the name. One hundred percent. Shouldn't even be a second guess. <laughs> shouldn't be questioned. Yeah, and and I think that um, you know this isn't I, as as I was looking up different things about this, and um, I came across an article that was actually from from about three weeks ago, and Rhode Island this year is putting an initiative on their voting ballot that's going to be changing the state seal. And part of the state seal for Rhode Island is the providence of plantations. So, Oh shit. Yeah. I don't think I ever knew that. Yes, I didn't either. And so, um, again, based off recent events, you know, people have been trying to make these corrections. Um, and this was actually something that was on the ballot back in 2000 for Rhode Island and it didn't pass. And with a lot of people citing that you, you know, the same things that you hear now, you can't erase history and stuff like that. It happened. That's not what this means and stuff. Um, I want to erase that argument. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I was going to ask you like, what do you say to, what, what do you say to people saying that they're, you know, erasing the past and you're, Read a fucking book. Yeah, right. Um, there's also there's also a really really good uh, podcast called uh, the Good Model Podcast. But no, there's another one called <laughs> called Sporkful. And Sporkful, what they do is they they do like these deep dives on like kind of food nerdy stuff. And they actually took a article that was um, that was written for Southern Foodways. Org. It's called Distilled Identity, and it was written by Osai Endolin, and um, she talks about her struggle of enjoying plantation rum, but being a black woman and like ordering it and stuff like that. And so it's just it's it's a really interesting article. It's really quick. Like I said, it's it's called Distilled Identity, um, and it's it's a good. I'm gonna read. Yeah, that. it's it's a it's a super easy read and it kind of gives you a little bit more context for, you know, how someone could feel about this. And then that ended up inspiring an entire episode on Sporkful. And so Sporkful, they did this a while back, but they ended up putting it back into like their recent episodes um, queue, just because again, everything's going on in the country right now. So they put it back into the queue and it's a two-parter. I think I, I only listened to the first part. Um, but in the first part, what they had done was they scoured the U S, um, for menu items, brands, stuff like that, that had the name plantation in them. And then they went and reached out to those people and said, we would love to talk to you about, um, about the naming and stuff like that. And so, you know, they, I mean, there's people who like, like Andrew Zimmer has a plantation, item on one of his menus at one of his restaurants there was a couple big names um of course none of them agreed to be on the show and then but they did have like eight or nine people who owned restaurants or owned brands and they like got them on the phone and it was it was really interesting to hear the conversations and like what people thought um like like what did plantation mean to them and there was like one guy who was you know kind of did that classic like you know, you can't just erase history. Like this isn't what I was meaning by it. And was kind of a dick about it. Um, but then they also had, uh, Osayi on and she explained, you know, she explained it and, uh, like her, her part and stuff. And she had some really great lines at the end, which I think you'll appreciate. I don't want to spoil them here, but it was a really great episode. So, you know, I suggest people, you know, check that out because it will give you more context on, you know, just, on this name and everything like that. And in France, you know, it's known like, you know, plantation 
is a farm. And that's what it was originally intended to be. But just because of that's what your intentions are, that doesn't mean exactly the the message that you're conveying. And so right. that's I mean that's, you're you're an international brand, therefore you have to you have to understand that you right. know, how things can be contextualized. And and I think that that's fair, especially in one of your major markets. Right. So with that being the case, you know, they're they're changing that. And it was really it was really funny, or not funny, more maybe more so disappointing to see this conversation pop up on different rum groups, you know, throughout social media and just see so many people be like, you know, F that brand, like, you know, giving into the ultra left, like I'm, I'm uh, never going to support them again. Like people are too sensitive. And it's like, it's the company's decision to call their rum, whatever the hell they want to call it. You know, like, I don't, I don't get how people can get so upset about stuff like that. You know, it, well, it, also it, like you're not supporting them because they're, making the right choice and changing their name. Well, I, well, think, they, I think that I think again, it goes bigger into the, like the GI discussion as well, but well, I, I've seen that, that. that. I've seen, I've seen these statements that you, that you speak of. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and it was funny because a lot of people who do have issues with their GI uh, stance were, um, were actually complimentary of plantation, which I know is really hard for them to do because they hate that brand passionately because of that <laughs> and, and to, and this is a topic that we've kind of avoided like the plague but um when we're talking about gi we're talking about the geographical index um that applies in some caribbean countries to regulate goods and products and stuff like that well right now in barbados they are trying to establish a rum geographical index there are four distilleries on barbados um and one of them happens to be owned by plantation and the way that they they set this up was the government's like we want to have we want to have this gi but all of you guys have to agree to it so three of the distilleries all the ones not owned by mason ferrand um all agree to it Mason Fraun is not agreeing to it. And it's basically turned into like this really, really vicious fight um, amongst, you know, some, some pretty big people in the industry as, as well as all the different enthusiasts and, and things like that. It's been uh, pretty intense, which is one of the reasons that we didn't want to kind of get into it. But just so you guys know, that's where a lot of um, plantation gets flack for because, you know, some people interpret it as them trying to exploit the Barbados rum name in order to do things the way that they see fit. Their argument on the flip side is you shouldn't standardize it to the point where everything tastes the same. You need to allow for innovation. So I see I see both sides of the argument. I mean, at this point, if I was the people at Mason Front, I would just take the L and just be like, whatever. You know, if you don't want us to put if you don't want us to do it this way, then we'll just we'll just do it. You get your way, and then we'll just call it something else. You know, we won't put Barbados on it anymore. But you know, I think yeah, we're and that's and ultimately at the end of the day, that's what they're fighting for is being able to put Barbados on on the label. Right. Right. And you know, again, for for further context, I mean, you know, they want to be able to age the um they want to be able to age the rum in different places, um, like taking it back to France and putting it into cognac barrels, which they've done uh, for a while. They want to be able to use different types of wood. Um, it all seems really petty when you just read it on a piece of paper, but um, this is something that means a lot to people. And it's it's actually turned quite a few rum groups into really, really nasty places to go if you happen to like one or the other. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, I um I Barbados is a really fascinating place looking at rum history as well. And um especially when you're talking about activism and rum history. I mean, first of all, Mount Gay is the the longest continuously operating distillery in the Americas. Um, uh, and that's located in Barbados. Uh, on the flip side of it, um, uh, companies like Foursquare have gotten flack for, uh, you know, being a white guy on, on a Caribbean Island, you know, and, and, 
owning a company there and specifically rum, you know, so he's, he's had to fight that as well. Uh, Richard seal. Um, and I've listened to his argument on that as well, being, being that, well, it was an abandoned Island. So when people moved there, it, they didn't, didn't kill anyone off. They just inhabited it because it was in ba- because it was abandoned. I don't know how true that is. I, I need to do a little bit more hit digging on the, on the history of Barbados. Um, but what I do see is that Barbados tends to bring a lot of this heat, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of a uh, scandal ends up coming uh, off that Island, especially when it surrounds rum. Um, it's yeah. really, really fascinating. Yeah. It's, um, you know, you would think that it's the biggest deal in the world when you see people talk about it and you're like, Oh wait, no, it's just these rum nerds and stuff. So it's uh it's definitely a, a, an interesting heated debate. If you're in the industry and you care about rum at all, it's definitely one that you should look into just so you can be well-versed on it. Um, Cause it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a shit show. That's actually probably a better way to put it. <laughs> It is. A shit well, show. I've been like I've been. There's both you and I uh, follow Ministry of Rum on on Facebook, um, yeah. and both you and I get equally turned off of rum. Pretty much every single time we log into that group, yes, it's just it's such a turn off. The personalities involved. Everybody's talking shit to each other. Somebody's saying something ridiculous to somebody else, and it's just an argument spot. It's not people who actually appreciate rum anymore. It's just a place for people to go and bitch at each other about rum. Yeah, there's actually a um, after after the plantation debacle. There is a uh, couple guys that I know in the UK. They started another rum group, and it's called Sugarcane and Sugarcane Accessories. And actually, what I'll do is I'll invite you to it. So far, it's been better in the 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 thought process behind it is to create a more inclusive um, group that does value good rum, but also is more educational focus and stuff. Um, there's already, I mean, it's, it's been live for just a few days and there's been some really, really cool stuff that has, that has popped up on it in terms of discussion and things like that. It, it really does. Um, it's, it's lived up to the hype so far. Um, I think we're nice. going to get into, into some more crappy stuff, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Like there's one, there was a post today that was talking about the environmental impact of cocktail ingredients. And it was all about what's happening in Costa Rica right now with the pineapple industry. And it was just like, who the fuck even knew this was an issue? And like, <laughs> and now, now, and I mean, I think that's like, that's like sometimes the, the issue, right. Is that there's so much fucked up shit that happens in this world that it's really hard to keep up with all of it and you're trying to you know uh, we, we've talked about like you're trying to make changes within your own industry right because you're trying to like okay where where's my reach where's my where's my sphere of influence and then you know you start to feel like okay i'm gonna start doing this more i'm gonna start doing this more and then it's like oh my god now there's issues with pineapples in costa rica oh my god you know like it's just uh if it's not one thing it's another, and uh, it's it's been pretty crazy. Um, but I, I like I said, I invited you to the group, and again for for people who want to maybe get into a more informative group, um, sugarcane and sugarcane accessories is is the name of it. Um, and right now they're you know, just a little, er, little older people. Earlier in my career, um, there have been times where I tried. Uh, and attempted to make conscious changes to the bar programs that I was involved in. And oftentimes the excuse that was fed to me was, well, there's already so much fucked up shit. So, you know, where do you, where do you stop? And I think that's, that argument has always bothered me um, because it was always, it was like such a non-starter, right? Like, well, you can't fix everything, so don't fix anything. Right. That's essentially, that's essentially the argument. And, and uh, 
I think it's such a bullshit argument. Um, I think that, yeah, there is a lot of stuff to be offended by. I think there's a lot of stuff to be proud of. And I think trying to take that all in is just too much. And we're human and it's hard to do. But again, like you and I always say, we just, you know, you fight with the tools that you have. You do what you can and you admit your shortcomings like you and I both have, I think pretty, pretty frequently, especially in the last few months. Yeah. But you, you also, you don't stop trying, you know, like, yeah, there's, there's always something fucked up because for too, too long, it's the, it's the, well, everything gives you cancer syndrome, right? Yeah. Everybody has become numb to the idea that shit gives you cancer and therefore everything's bad. So fuck it. We'll just, we'll just go on our way. A, that's such a fucked up way to live. Also like, well, everything sucks. So I'm just going to live like that's a, not everything sucks. B, not everything gives you cancer. Also C, you shouldn't be okay with anything. Just like, will you know, I don't know, willfully doing that. Uh, I, I think that people just get numb and they get overwhelmed. And so they don't even want to invest the, the mental effort because they're afraid of unlocking that, that cellar door and that Pandora's box of what might come out when they do, when they do try. Uh, right. But I think, I, I think one step at a time, you know, you just, we're in the age of, of um, information and, that means that there's going to be a fuckload of information out there and it's up to you to decipher it. And uh, willful, willful ignorance isn't an excuse anymore. Um, yeah. You know, it's, but that doesn't mean you have to solve every problem that, that exists, but it doesn't mean you don't get to not show up at all. Yeah. I, so somewhere I, in I, the middle. I think people being willfully ignorant is like my new, favorite burn for people right like i saw someone use that against someone who was being very stubborn on you know one of the a million issues that we've seen over the past month but i it was such a great line because it was like you're being willfully ignorant at this point and i was like that's amazing i love that <laughs> i want to use that so much more <laughs> in my daily life because it's true um you know you're there's and especially with everything being shut down still like you know you don't have that veil of um distraction and stuff like that you know you can't just tune it out there's nothing else to tune into so with that being the case it's like all right well here we go now let's talk about this let's talk about that and let's hopefully figure some things out so um we're definitely spiraling right now what are we even talking about that's okay <laughs> what are we talking about we're talking about hey uh, uh, plantation and uh, the uh, geographical areas and laws. Oh man, but that's yep. okay. Spiraled. Yeah, we got we got out of control. You we know, got out of control. Pretty typical. This, I, I will say for everybody who's listening, that exact example of what just happened is exactly why Drew and I decided that we needed to start a podcast. Is because we do that all the time when we're just talking to each other. So the fact that we don't do it very often on a podcast, you all should be very impressed. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely um, something that's just out of hand when it comes to the conversations that we have. It's ridiculous. So, um, okay. You know, last week we had just found out that, that California was shutting back down and that specifically Sacramento was closing that day. And I think both of us, um, you know, cause again, you start to feel the weight of all of our friends and stuff and how we were going to survive this industry. I mean, some of these reports now are saying that we're probably going to lose, you know, it could potentially lose up to 85% of bars and stuff like in restaurants, which is insane, you know? Um, and it's super disappointing. So this week we don't want to do that to you guys. We want to give you <laughs> an uplifting story and one that you know really brought a smile to both Chris and I's face. So, um, so Chris, what is our feel-good story this week? 
I'm going to lead into this story by saying I found out this story during our recording last week uh, because Jen had texted me from the bed where she was laying with our daughter who was a, you know attached to her. So she couldn't get up. Uh, and she was like, Hey, bring me my card, uh, my wallet. I want to, I want to donate money to this awesome GoFundMe. So after I got off with you, I, took her her wallet and she like she didn't say anything she just shoved the phone in in my face and what what she showed me was this uh, GoFundMe for this for this uh, cat in in San Diego is a barista at a Starbucks his name is Lennon Gutierrez and the name of the GoFundMe is tips for Lennon standing up to a San Diego Karen <laughs> it was started by a guy named Matt Cowan who witnessed this Karen's uh, post on social media saying that uh, that Lennon had refused to serve her because she wasn't wearing a mask and how dare he and that next time uh, she's coming back with the pol- or she's going to wait for the police and she's coming back with a doctor's note which also you know good fucking luck I guess I don't know I mean you're going to have to like <laughs> you're going to have to <laughs> fake that one like we all did to get out of gym i guess but <laughs> um uh but so far uh uh this gofundme has raised a, over a hundred and five thousand dollars uh which i checked just before uh we started we started recording and it's still up so i'm gonna put the link in the show notes so that way if it's still up when you all hear this you if you feel up to it you can go ahead and Throw down some uh, some dunkets for uh, for my boy Lennon. Also, um, Matt Cowan had this great uh, quote when asked why why he did it and what he said. Everybody is rallying. <clears throat> sorry, everybody is rallying around somebody for doing what they're supposed to do and trying to protect everybody else. Just goes to show you that there are a lot of good people out there, and that outweighs the bad. My boy Matt, yeah, dog, that's rad. That's awesome, and. Uh, 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 Lennon is taking a little bit of money and he's going to a little bit of that money and he's going to give it, he's going to pay for schooling. And then on top of that, he's going to give the rest to, um, an appropriate charity. So I think that's pretty fucking cool. And like I said, it's still up and, uh, I think it's rad. That's way cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, we love to see uh, Karens get dealt with and um, what just like an amazing, amazing slap in the face back to back to this person who was so entitled. And that's what I mean, like, you know, and you're seeing it more and more. And I just I feel so bad for people who are who are put in the situation where, you know, you're getting paid. What? 12 bucks an hour, 13 bucks an hour. And you have to deal with these assholes who are just kind of like, Oh, you're the worst. You're impeding my freedom. And it's just kind of like, lady, I don't make the decisions, <laughs> you know, like this, yeah. all of this stuff is so far above my pay grade. It is, um, it is just absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, good, good for this guy. I'm, I'm glad that he's, uh, he's going to be able to take care of some, some student debt and all that fun stuff. And hopefully he, you know, holds back a little bit of money to, you know, have a good time too. Cause, uh, you know, yeah. So he's not paying for student debt. He's paying for himself to go to school. Oh, that's, which I think is right. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say it's art school or, or like, like music conservatory. It was something creative. Uh, it was really neat. Um, what always cracks me up about stuff like this, and especially lately with the you're imposing on my freedoms, like it's the same crowd that always that has the bumper stickers that say freedom isn't free. Right? Like what happened to freedom isn't free? Like did uh, now your freedom just simply relies on you wearing a mask. Yeah. That's it. That's all you got to do. Yeah. But you'd rather stand up and bitch and moan about how your grandfather fought and died for this country or you know, would be willing to die for this country, but you're not even willing to wear a mask because some somehow that makes you a, a punk ass bitch. I don't. Well, I don't get a it. A sheep. 
you just you kind of look like one to me anyway when you when you start <laughs> saying that so it's it really is so ridiculous i mean you know and and again like i just i just feel like we could have been out of this we could have been done oh, with yeah. this but no we're we're here we are you know going back into lockdowns you know back into um you know previous phases and it sucks but again we're trying to end on a high note this guy got a hundred thousand bucks for standing up again yeah so, fuck yeah so that's yeah dope and i think i think it sends a, a pretty huge message you know and the next person who puts out one of those posts again of like trying to shame someone into not doing their job or to i don't know just giving way to a bully i i hope i hope similar things happen yeah you know and and this is a really positive you know no one got shamed instead someone got uplifted which is pretty dope yeah um for sure uh okay so to wrap up tonight's episode who's your follow this week on social media i've got i've got two um and i'm gonna let you choose between them okay uh i've got one which is educational and i've got one that is entertaining it's both kind of have aspects of the two but you tell me which one um let's go entertaining entertaining okay paul feig world-renowned producer director he produced um oh god what was that show in the 90s that had uh oh it's killing me oh man geeks Freaks and Geeks! He produced Freaks and Geeks. Anyway, the entire course of lockdown, once a day, he has been, he is on his Instagram, he has been releasing a new cocktail video. And they're awesome. He puts on a different outfit, he puts on different music, he talks to people, he puts on a show, he makes a drink. Sometimes it's cool, sometimes I wouldn't drink it, but whatever, it's amazing. Uh, you could go back. He did. I think he finished at a hundred, which was like just last week. He did a hundred of them. He's like, that's it. I'm done. I'm tapping out. This is the final one. But uh, it's pretty, pretty incredible. So they're all on his Instagram. So you could just go through them and and check them out. They're they're some pretty pretty fantastic. They usually start off with him just hitting play and then dancing around to some music for like a solid, like two minutes. So, you know, automatically I'm sold. Uh, uh, this is, it's, it's awesome. Also found out that he's releasing a gin or he has just released a gin and I'm very excited to try it. I, uh, it's got a, it's, I know that you and I usually don't go for celebrity driven booze. Uh, but, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fanboy out just a little bit because uh, I feel like he and I could be friends. So so it is a it's called Artisdal's Gin, and it is very very gaudy with the bottling. Oh yeah, it's it's a proper decanter. Yeah, this is like way over the top. Amazing. Yeah, I love it uh amazing yeah paul paul fig is really amazing he also did you know bridesmaids um he was the uh skitty camp counselor on heavyweights the great yeah he was yeah <laughs> so for people who you know are kind of like who's this guy that's that guy he's pretty hilarious um but yeah so so you have you have that my follow this week is actually going to be uh whiskey monster on on Instagram. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. So that's uh, Corey from. Uh, well, now he's working for Paul John, but he has a he has a blog called WhiskeyMonster.com where he just reviews a lot of different stuff. But he's always talking whiskey. Uh, he's always drinking cool stuff. He's uh, he's a lot of fun. I believe he's from Turkey as well because he got like. Yeah, I like that he. The other day when you posted that you were uh, drinking Iraq. And uh, he got upset that you didn't call him first, which was pretty entertaining for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's he's a really cool dude. Um, 
like I said, always, always posting different whiskeys and talking about them. And um, he's very, you know, despite the fact that he works for a, uh, for a brand, he's still very much so like rising tides with the world of single malts and whiskey and stuff. So I, I like people like that. Um, you know, we've kind of somewhat touched on it, you know, over, over the past few months, but I just can't stand it when you have these brand ambassadors and reps and anybody associated in this business who are just such homers for their own stuff. And they, <laughs> you said Homer. Yeah. Well, I've just, you know, this is a little sports sports talk for you. And uh, uh. I just can't handle it. I can't stand it. And it just, to me, it, it, it just comes off as so wrong and annoying. And it just, yeah, I, fi- I find it very insincere when when reps just drink the Kool Aid. Absolutely, um, I, I don't. I I I slowly lose respect for your word. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, and it just and it sucks because I you know have good friends who I want to buy in, but I can't. Like I just don't believe any of their rhetoric when it comes to it's like it's like ah, you just you only care about your stuff. You know, you can't tell me anything about anything else. You know, so in 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 uh, Corey's situation, he's got, you know, this huge collection and um, is always talking whiskey. And he obviously he talks Paul John, but he's just talking whiskey all the time. And he takes really great photos, too. So if you want just a good follow for that, too. So, again, it's a uh, whiskey monster whiskey spelled correctly without the E. So <laughs> um, so check that out. He's uh, he's super, super dope. Very approachable um good person so yeah. agreed so check it out but uh all right man that's all i got for you well i've got a question for our listeners oh boy i have i have agave growing in my uh front yard uh and it's growing well which is you know surprising for me um but i need to cut the leaves off and i don't have a koa I would like to know what what the everyone suggests for cutting them properly. Okay. I mean, I have a machete. That's the last thing that I use for the last one, but little little less entertaining. Yeah, um, I actually asked the guys over at uh, Cantina Alley about that because they had recently cut their their gobies down and had a really nice shape to them. And they were like, "I was like, what'd you guys use? Like, a really big knife?" I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> You know, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. well, that's fair. I was like, oh, because it looks great. And it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, big knife. And I'm like, all right, fair. <laughs> what are you going to do? Oh. That's fair. That holds up. But if somebody's got another, like a proper tool, like, I don't know, maybe I sharpen the edge of a hoe or something like that. Or, uh, I don't know, trimmers, uh, electric trimmers. I don't know. Yeah. Because my the 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 spines on mine the 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 like the spikes are frightening. They're very large, so I have to make sure that nobody gets cut as they're coming up my my uh, my front wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As someone who was there recently, I I did mean to mention them. I was like, wow, these things are getting really big, and that's kind of, yeah, they're really really large. That's kind of like the problem anytime that you put um, agave into the ground and not like a pot is those things are going to are going to grow to full size and you know you're gonna have (laughs) before you know it a six to eight foot tall agave just protecting you know what and then we'll we'll cook the shit out of it and uh do something with it oh boy can't wait (laughs) give it a few years yeah yeah we will we'll definitely have to do that but all right man well, so yeah, hopefully people can give you some answers on how they cut their agave, and um, you know we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right, cheers, cheers, y'all. cheers, buddy. The Good Bottle Podcast is a product of Fluid Concepts. Episodes are produced, edited, and uploaded by Christopher Sinclair. The music comes to us by two very talented brothers, Leon and Chase Moore. Interact and follow us on social media at The Good Bottle Podcast.